I'm Jessica Harris, and this is From Scratch. My guests are Kelly Flatley and Brendan Sinnott, the co-founders of Bare Naked, a food company known for its granolas and natural cereals. Kelly and Brendan started the company in their early 20s, and Bare Naked is available nationwide in stores like Whole Foods and Costco and online at barenaked.com. Welcome, you both. Thank you. Thank you, Jessica. So I wanted to start off uh, understanding how you both met initially. Well, I think it was back in the hallways of our middle school in Darien, Connecticut. He was actually selling candy out of his locker, and we weren't exactly best of friends in, in middle school. And then I remember getting an invitation to your graduation party senior year. And I was so flattered because I was a year younger and I was being invited to, to celebrate his graduation. And, um, and I remember that party just kind of being a blast and being a little bit sad that you were going off to college. Made and then for like friend. four years in college or five years, six years probably, we didn't even see each other. No. Maybe like once or twice. Kelly, what did you do between college and starting Bare Naked in 2002? I sort of dabbled in a couple of different sports marketing internships. I've worked for um, Sports Illustrated at the uh, Australian Olympics and then again in Salt Lake City for the Winter Olympics. I looked at it from a, like a long-term standpoint and recognized that it wasn't going to be fulfilling five, ten years down the road. And in order for me to um, get the level of satisfaction I wanted out of a career and out of life, I, I looked myself in the eye and said, you got to do something else. And why granola? Granola was something that I made for myself simply because I believed in the fact that if I ate it, I'd feel better and I'd perform better. I intuitively, I think, have always understood that there is a real connection between what I eat and how I feel and how I function. So to, to that end, I just really relied on eating healthy foods in college. And the granola was actually one of those foods that I made myself. And Brendan, what were you doing from college until you started Bare Naked? I graduated uh, in 2000. I went and that was kind of during the tech boom. So I went to work for a software company in Austin, Texas. Where uh, did you go to college, by the way? Vanderbilt. Okay. I worked at a company called Trilogy Software, which was so fun. They recruited like 200 kids out of college. It was like the prototypical tech boom where we had like ski boats we could go on. They had parties every week for us, but we did no work. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so we all had a very good time, but they eventually laid us off. So I came back up to New York, uh, and then I went to work for Saturday Night Live. And I worked in the talent department there. And then I was on hiatus from SNL from the summer, and that's when I ran into Kel uh, and heard the name Bare Naked. And I was like, oh, brilliant. And, you know, the rest is history, I guess. And so at what point, Kelly, when you said, okay, I want to start this business, did you think, you know what, I, I want to bring Brendan on board as my co-founder? How did that work? I think I was about eight to ten weeks into making batches, putting it on the shelves of local stores, and I was baking it through the night and then delivering the next day. So I would wheel in all of my ingredients into the back of a local kitchen, um, which was a commercially certified kitchen space. So I would do that at about 8 p.m., bake until one or two in the morning, and then turn around and sell everything I had made the night before the next day. Truthfully, it was getting to be really tiring. I wanted to be able to share some of the work and also some of the excitement. When I ran into Brendan, he was the first person who really expressed raw enthusiasm for what I was doing. Mm. At that point, it was so in its infancy, and I got more raised eyebrows than I did good lucks. He was really the first person who said, can I come to the kitchen with you? And that seemed really 
strange that someone would want to come to the kitchen at night when they could be going to a local bar with friends. And then the next day it was, well, let's go on a sales call together. Let's go to local stores and pitch to organic and natural markets, farmers markets. We did that. I was like, why are you doing it this way? Let's do it this way. You're you're wasting so much time. Well, you know, let's go to Walmart. Let's buy some bins. Let's set up an assembly line. It was addictive because every day you would put in this work and you'd come up with this new idea and it made your life easier and it made the business bigger and it made the concept a greater idea. And uh, it was just it was so exhilarating. Yeah, for it was first a rush because we were growing so quickly and we were getting new stores every day. And I was able to use to, to focus on the things that I was good at. And I recognized instantly what he was talented, the areas where he was talented. And those complemented each other really nicely without it being much of a planned effort. This, in a way, seems like a marriage of convenience in that, like, you both knew each other from high school, and, oh, it's just so convenient we happened to run in- into each other at this time. But what are some of your, what were some of your concerns at the time about Brendan coming on board as a partner? I, you know, um, it became clear when we started working together that he had a very strong personality and that he was really opinionated. It becomes clear in the two minutes of this radio show, in fact. <laughs> um, <laughs> Before that, it wasn't so obvious. He is very resourceful. I always think that's one of his best um, characteristics. He'll get something no matter what the cost. And I'm a little more reserved than that. So I appreciated the ambition. And I thought to myself, this could be a really complimentary partnership. At times, I think, you know, he did stretch the company to a point that it became sort of a stressful state. But it's amazing the way that um, people in our organization acted so well under the stress and how it was almost a motivating mechanism. And And we figure out a way to do it every year. Every year we've consistently beat it. When you saw that he was super aggressive, did you say to your parents, you know what, I'm not so sure he's the right person for this? Or what was that dynamic? Everybody said not to partner. Yeah, everyone said. Everybody. We were warned. I think we were warned independently, and then we were warned together not to go down this partnership road. After we had kind of decided that we wanted to partner up, we would go to the local people in our area and say, you know, can we help? You're an expert in marketing. Can we talk to you about it? Can you help us out? And they're like, you're partners? Like, I don't even want to talk to you. Like, you guys are going to blow up in six months. Get out of here. Why did they, why were they opposed to it? Kelly and I have been blessed for whatever reason to be able to work through it. I mean, we've had our, our struggles. There's no doubt about it. It's a relationship, sure. right? And it's, it's no different than a marriage or a father and son or friends. And the only times we've ever gotten really in trouble is when we stopped talking. When was that? Oh, it was two months ago. Yeah. I mean, we put our company through, you know, it's it, when you have, um, we have about 32 people in our company today. And when you um, and we lead the company and we're the faces of the company and when we're not stable, everybody feels it. They can sense it in your actions and your emotions and and how you look at each other. And so we you know, we have to be very sensitive to that. You never want to fight in front of your children. Right. I mean, it's um, it's an age old rule. And I think we've we've tried to do the best to kind of suppress some of our own needs in, in the hopes of that we would project a better image to the organization and, you know, to our employees. Yet still children and employees pick up those, they uh, do. the body language. Yeah, and the vibes that we 
send out even though we don't intend to and we, and we don't want to. They naturally get picked up by those that are in offices next door to us um, and just the organization at large. I'm Jessica Harrison. You're listening to From Scratch. My guests are Brendan Sinnott and Kelly Flatley, the co-founders of Bare Naked, a healthy snacking company that sells granolas and natural cereals to places like Whole Foods and Costco's around the country. What's an example of something that you disagreed vehemently about? Can oh, I go? Where do, you, where do we? Where do you Can want I to start begin? For our, we were designing our website, and um, again, that was Brendan's idea. I thought that we didn't need to invest in a website so quickly. Um, I thought it was more important for the product to be a, be available in stores. But he was very pro developing a website and, and getting that launched. So I agreed to it, and <laughs> uh, we decided that it would be best if we put pictures of ourselves up on the website to show our consumers that there really are people behind this whole enterprise and that it's real and authentic. Well, and and we knew very early on that we could never compete with Kellogg's or anybody like that. And so we needed to build our identity into the brand. So in terms of, you know, pictures and images that really represented us best, um, I wanted to go take pictures down at a beach. Uh, you in originally wanted to take like pictures of like nuts and fruits and stuff and stick it on there. That's that's <laughs> right. And then as well, if we were going to use pictures of ourselves, we should be in the you know the great outdoors. And Brendan so, wanted to position ourselves in such a light that was quote unquote bare naked, <laughs> which um, involved showing a little bit of skin, and there was nothing uh, offensive about it. But uh, I wasn't totally comfortable with it. And he thought it was a brilliant way to sort of market the company. I, I just wanted a response and wanted it to be memorable. Your idea was to like wear vests and wear no t-shirts underneath the vests. Like that doesn't get anybody's attention. <laughs> so Brendan won that little argument because on the website, you guys are uh, kind of bare from from sort of the chest up. We just wanted we just wanted our consumers to ask the question. Well, I'm sure your consumers also ask the question whether or not you've ever dated. So have We're you? We're talking business here, not personal we stuff. We are, but it's all interwoven <laughs> as, as you know. Oh, uh, should we tell her? You can go ahead and let the cat out of the bag. We are friends with bare naked benefits. Yes. <laughs> I haven't said that in ages. That's very well said. I like that bon mot. But what does that mean? Does that mean that you have dated or that you are dating? Or has have they intertwined at all? I date Kelly's best friend from high school. And I've been dating her since Bare Naked started. Since two weeks after Bare Naked started. Well, at least we got that off the, ta- <laughs> off the table. For anyone who's wondering. I'm Jessica Harrison. You're listening to From Scratch. My guests are Brendan Sinnott and Kelly Flatley, the co-founders of Bare Naked, a healthy snacking company that sells granolas and natural cereals to places like Whole Foods and Costco's around the country. So I want to go back to the bare naked beginning. Uh, when Kelly, you said that you were in a commercial kitchen. How did you find that commercial kitchen? It was actually just a friend of a friend who owned the facility, um, and it was the back of a local market uh, in in Rowayton, Connecticut. As soon as I realized I wanted to, you know, put the wheels in motion and get this this business off the ground, I called the state of Connecticut and I said, do I need to be approved? Do I need a license? And they said, well, you have to cook in a commercially certified kitchen space. That's kind of the number one rule if you want to get products on the shelf. And we were in that kitchen for about six months before we outgrew it. Did that kitchen make you take yourself more seriously or did you feel that you became more disciplined because you knew that you could only work from, what were your hours? It was about 
8 or 9 p.m. to about... 2 or 3 in yeah, the morning. Yeah, 2 in the morning. Uh, in terms of professionalism, I felt like it was real. And being in that kitchen at night with the, with the clock ticking, and I had to get, you know, 50 pounds out the door that night, it was, it was a rush. And I remember those moments being really, really sweet. I had the radio on, I had my 50 pounds of oats, and, you know, pots and pans were banging around in the kitchen. It was bliss. There were, I mean, there were nights that were just wonderful. And I, you feel like you know, I'm, I'm making this food and I'm gonna feed someone. From purchasing the products, physically making them with your own hands, taking it to the store yourself in your own car, putting it on the shelves with your own hands, feeding it to the consumer at the store and then them taking it home, was just a one, it was such a wonderful kind of cycle to be mm -hmm. in. I mean, I think back to those, those moments of being in the kitchen with the music blaring at night at 12 o'clock when all our friends are calling us from the bars and we were having so much fun. What was music you were listening to? Dave Matthews, Coldplay, Counting Crows. My guests are Kelly Flatley and Brendan Sinnott, co-founders of Bare Naked. We'll hear more from Brendan and Kelly coming up. I'm Jessica Harris, and this is From Scratch. My guests are Kelly Flatley and Brendan Sinnott, the co-founders of Bare Naked, a food company known for its granolas and natural cereals. Kelly and Brendan started the company in their early 20s, and Bare Naked is available nationwide in stores like Whole Foods and Costco and online at barenaked.com. You were the initial employees in the company. It was just the two of you doing mm -hmm. everything. But what did that really mean? Early on when it was just he and I, I mean, we were the distributors. We were the brokers, we sold, we made the product, we did the accounting, we cleaned our offices when we had one. Um, we were it. And that sometimes requires seven days a week worth of work up until 11 o'clock at night when you just don't want to look at another oat. You know, you've <laughs> got to keep baking. I remember we, um, a lot of times we go to um, running races in the area and um, when athletes finish the race were there at the finish line to feed them some bare naked and, and re-energize them. And um, so that entails obviously bringing a ton of product, sample cups, spoons, coolers of yogurt, banners, balloons. We, we really want to create a fun environment for these folks after they finish a race. Brendan had a 1983 Jeep and didn't have a top at this point. So what we did is we filled the Jeep with all of the materials we needed in order to make this a successful marketing event and it didn't all fit so instead of you know getting a top for the jeep like we should have we shrink wrapped the car with <laughs> stretch wrap and drove down the 95 across New York City into Long Island with a stretch wrap vehicle. That's great. I, I vividly remember going over the Whitestone Bridge with like the, the Jeep totally filled up and it was so loud because of all the stretch wrapping and people like honking their horn next to me saying like we <laughs> was pointing at it thinking it was going to fall off. And then that night I think sleeping either four or five employees to a room. I mean we just we used every inch of space that we had. In the beginning we the first 
out of our first seven employees, six of when six of which went to Darien High School, the seventh was my my college roommate. And so, you know, for the first two or three years, I mean, it was seven college kids just on the road going to have a good time. And we'd be five or six in a room, you know, going up to Rochester for an event. And then we'd all, you know, work all day, go have a good time that night and then go pile in the car, go to Buffalo. And it was like, a you know, a two-year road It was road really trip. fun. <laughs> we were probably, we made most, uh, the most impact when we were on the road. And there was only so much we could do Monday through Friday, but Saturday and Sunday were the days that we just nailed it. We got to see consumers. We got to go to retailers. Occasionally, the press would come to the event, and we got to see those folks. And that's when the action happened. How much do you think your age has helped in terms of setting yourself apart? Like, oh, well, those kids were only 23 when they started it. I think it was a big asset for us. I think people really felt when, when they saw our passion and saw our enthusiasm, saw how hard we, would, we were willing to work, they were willing to help us. And we were so green, I think they just really wanted to help. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we never really bought any capital equipment for the first two and a half years. We would go in and we'd call all the different local people and say, hey, listen, if you have capital equipment and you're not using it 24 hours a day, can we use it at night and we'll pay you and it's just extra money for you guys. And that's how we kind of, that's how we made all of our product for the first two years. And I remember uh, one day when we were operating the business out of my parents' house, um, we were going to make several batches of granola that night, and so we ordered in a bunch of food from a from a distributor. The truck showed up in my parents' driveway, and they unloaded instead of raisins and almonds, they unloaded dog food and tofu. <laughs> and we were like, "What are we going to do? We c- can't use either of these products." So back to you know wild oats, we went and we were emptying all the bulk bins and the center aisle, making sure we had just enough raw materials to get through that production run. So we really had to kind of turn over every stone in order to get it done. And on the raw materials front, we, you know, we couldn't, distributors wouldn't sell us ingredients because we didn't have good credit and we weren't a big enough customer. So we're like, well, how do we get almonds? How do we get honey? So we used to go to the local Costco and literally <laughs> we would go out, we'd, we'd have those big carts and fill the entire thing up with almonds or the entire thing up with honey or canola oil and be pushing the cart out the door and got the weirdest looks from everybody. They're like, do you bathe in that stuff? <laughs> it took both of us to push the cart. <laughs> and we were pushing like 500 pounds of honey out the door and we ended up being like the Costco, you know, business of the month or business customer member of the of month. month. We used yeah. to buy so much stuff. Awesome. And by the way, you know, this dog food with tofu mm-hmm. delivery might just be another bare naked product for pets. There you go. I want to talk about uh, your first customer. How did you break into the market on a large scale? I think um, the first couple customers that we had were really, really small independent customers. Um, And basically the fact that we used to go buy sandwiches there when we were kids and that we used to buy groceries there um, got us onto the store shelves there and we made it work. Um, and then our, our first big jump was to a place called Stu Leonard's, which is a three-store chain in the New York metro market. And it's just great, wonderful, innovative supermarket. Um, and that was when we, that was going to be our first big break. And the way we got in there is we called the buyer for months and months and months saying, hey, listen, we're local. Give us a chance. We used to shop here as kids, you know, got no love. Uh, and then we eventually just kind of decided one day we're going to bring the buyer breakfast in bed. Because we're like, how do we get his attention? And so we, uh, Kelly and I got up one, one morning very early, like 6.30 in the morning, and 
got like her mom's tray and her mom's china and, and got some fresh fruit and some Stu Leonard's yogurt and some Stu Leonard's milk and we wore matching jean and t-shirt outfits that said bare naked. I mean, just so cheesy. <laughs> we, were, we were the first car in the parking yeah. lot that morning. We were the first ones up in the office. And we get up to the office and we're like, hey, you know, th- is the buyer here? We brought him breakfast. And, and the receptionist's like, well, that's really cute, guys, but he's actually on vacation. And we were just like so deflated. Uh, but then at that moment, Stu Leonard Jr. walked by and we're like, Stu, we brought you breakfast. <laughs> and we shoved the tray in, in, in front of him. And um, he spent a couple hours with us that morning, took on the product. And then when he took on the product, I remember it was in May of 2003, um, for about three weeks straight, five days every week, I went to Stu Leonard's and sold the product myself to the consumers. So it was really important to us that once we got in that first opportunity that we wanted to, you know, you make the sale really one time and then after that you're really just selling your prior success. So we made the sale to Stu Leonard's and we did everything in our power to make sure it was a raging success there because that raging success then led to a local newspaper article about our success at Stu Leonard's, which led to the next chain following. You're right. It's one thing to get into the store, and then it's another to really nurture it so that you perform well, because he would kick you off the shelf as as quickly as he allowed you on. So many food companies I see fail, and they fail because of that reason. They think they get on the store on the store shelf, and they think they're done. It's like you got to be careful when you get married. You still got to work at it. It's not mm-hmm. like just because you have the ring on your finger, it's done. Of course. Even, um, you know, the, the Stu Leonard's break was a lucky one. I think it was right at the point where uh, we needed something to happen in the business. But the also, the, the coolest thing about Stu's was also the fact that it was really our classroom for learning about the food business. I spent time on the loading dock. I worked with the managers. I even backed up a U-Haul truck myself and un, you know unloaded product. And it was just neat to see the process from A to Z, how you sell a product into a grocery store and how it ultimately gets on the store shelf. Because we were so cash strapped and because we had no success and because we were starting from scratch, it forced us to kind of crawl on our hands and knees along the whole process and really learn it backwards and forwards, which allowed us, as we got larger, to kind of understand what levers to pull within those organizations to get make Bare Naked successful. Were there ever any potential customers who were trying your food that said, you know, I don't really like this? Like, what was some of the the, the customer feedback? Oh, we got rejection left and right. I mean, I, we and when we were in the stores, I would never say, do you want to try some whole grain granola? I would say, do you want to get Bare Naked? And, you know, they'd say, what's bare naked? I'd say, well, it's the best way to start your day. Well, what do you mean? And I'd say, well, give it a try. And then, you know, then let's talk about it. And because granola had such a negative connotation, and, you know, it's kind of think of Birkenstocks and Vermont or something like that. And so we had such a different, different spin on granola. We never wanted to call it granola. We wanted to call it bare naked. But consumers, when we were launching the product, it was right during the Atkins boom. And so everyone's like, oh, I can't have any carbs. And I'd sit there and be like, you're going to die if you don't eat carbs. <laughs> like, you, you need to eat fats and you need to eat carbs. Just eat the right ones and be smart about it and exercise. Did and you ever uh, put off anybody like an 85-year-old grandmother when you said you want to get bare naked? I, I think they were the most excited. Nobody said it to them in a while. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Jessica Harrison. You're listening to From Scratch. My guests are the co-founders of Bare Naked, Kelly Flatley and Brendan Sinnott. What is the history of granola? The, the first, Back to the 1800s. Yeah, Dr. Kellogg from Kellogg Cereal. Um, the first cereal he ever invented was actually called granola, which was a baked blend of grains with honey. And that was the first cereal. 
And then for whatever reason, for the last hundred years, people have ruined cereal and processed it too much and put too much sugar on it. So we're trying to take it back to its roots. So your packaging makes you stand out to some degree. It's very bold and it's in these uh, fitted bags. Uh, was, was that something you knew you wanted from the beginning or what was I, that process like? I think early on when Kelly originally packaged the product, she had it in a clear cellophane package and the, the product looked so beautiful. Um, but after kind of twist tying, about a thousand twist ties a night and then hand tying little hay pieces on there, it got a little old. <laughs> so we eventually found something with, that had a zipper on the top of it that was clear. And we're like, oh, that's perfect because, you know, we wanted the consumers to actually be able to see the product, which is very different than a lot of other cereals. They get hidden in boxes. And I think the package also accurately reflects what Bare Naked values. We're simple. It's clean. The ingredient declaration is everything that you can pronounce. There's a message from Brendan and I on the back of every bag. So, it, you know, we're accessible people. It's, it's bold. It's refreshing. It stands out. It's youthful, and I think those are all things by which you can describe Bare Naked. I want to turn to capital. How did you guys pay yourself for the first uh, two years of the business? We didn't. Uh, we uh, For the first two years, that was the, kind of the big sacrifice. We were able to do it because we both moved back in with our parents. Um, and so for the first literally two years, we didn't pay ourselves uh, maybe maybe about 500 bucks a year. One retailer actually um, paid us in cash $100 and we split it. <laughs> I was like, this is our annual salary. We got 50 bucks. Because we were so young, and didn't, we weren't, you know, we had no real responsibility except to ourselves. We didn't have to take care of any kids, house payments, car payments, anything like that. We totally mooched from our parents. We utilized credit card debts. I remember I was doing the accounting for the company on QuickBooks, which I still don't understand to this day. And consistently in the checking account column, it was just negative like $110,000, negative $130,000 every day because I wasn't balancing everything properly and we were overdrawn from the bank. And uh, we had a great local banker that, you know, we'd, we'd call up and say, hey, Tom, I, I promise we're doing okay, but I can you just let this check clear? And it was those kinds of relationships that let us get by. What, which uh, credit card company were you using? Was it? Which one weren't we using? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We, I mean, we, American Express, Visa, MasterCard, MasterCard all of them. And it, them the all. big thing that we did is we would rack up all these bills and then we didn't have any money to pay for them. But what's so wild is the credit card companies after the first of the year, because so many people spend a lot of money during the holiday season, offer 0% financing if you transfer balances. Ah. So we would always do a big transfer of all the balances in the beginning in January or February. Look at you. And was this your personal credit card or now the company's credit card? No, this was all Kelly Flatley's credit card. I don't think you had good enough credit to get us I had plenty card. of it. It was ruined pretty quickly afterwards, <laughs> but we, we had it. And t I mean, to this day, our name's still on the hook for all the mm -hmm. loans that we have. What were your parents feeling about this? I mean, it's one thing to say, yeah, go ahead, start this little adventure, but then to eat away at your credit, which really stays with you for life, you know, did they feel differently? You don't tell them those things. I mean, <laughs> I, I had savings and I, I think I had, you know, maybe $8,000 in savings from my prior jobs, burned through all of it. I cashed all my saving, savings bonds that my mom had given me as a child and I cashed those. I never told her about it. Um, but it was just like you, you, you needed some spending money. You needed to go out to dinner once in a while. Did you flirt with venture capital at any point? We did. We were actually, flirt's a good word for it, because we almost started dating with those folks. We sort of entered into discussions with them and, 
30 days after after we started talking to them, we had a real good understanding of how they would impact our business and what it would mean to us personally and professionally. And we were almost about to close the deal with them. And then um, I actually remember we sat down in your mom's living room next the to the fireplace. And he looked at me and I looked at him and I was like, can we do this? Are we ready for it? Is it the right thing? And we just had to ask ourselves really, really deep, difficult questions. And, you know, the the crux of which was, are we ready to give up control? And we both realized that the money wasn't worth it. And, and at that point, we said no to the venture capitalists. And then they came back to us two months later and said, oh, we'll give you twice as much money now. And so we learned the power of saying no to that point. And, um, and then I said, well, why don't I just say no again and see what happens? <laughs> and so we said no. And also during that same time, we'd, we tried to seek out so much counsel from folks around us um, that understood financing. And we were dealing with terms. I remember going up there and negotiating with the venture capitalists, and they'd have six people around the table, and it would just be me. And they're talking about a term sheet and convertible debt and all these different technical financial instruments, which I had no idea uh, what they were about. And, you know, some person that was close to us said, hey, Brendan, you know, the best thing in the world you can do is just say no to him and walk away. You know, you're such a success in this area. I feel confident you can go get the money from friends and family and keep your own company. And um, Kelly's father always says to us, you know, your ability to hold on to the company is equivalent to your tolerance for pain. And so we were willing to take a little more pain and take continue with the risk and try to find the money from another source um, that would allow us to keep control. Now, where did that source of capital ultimately come from if you didn't go to the venture capitalists? All, it came from all friends and family. And it's been the same really group of investors that we've been able to deal with. And they've just been, you know, I think we've been very happy on both sides of the equation. Talk to me about competition. In retrospect, I don't think we we ever picked our heads up and checked out the competitive landscape until we were asked by our investors, well, who are you guys up against? And we were like, well, the people next to us on the shelf. <laughs> I never really given thought to who they were. I just really wanted to be on the shelf, and I thought I could outsell whoever was next to me. Um, but it was interesting. That question was never brought up by either of us um, in any of our marketing discussions or anything. It was only when we were asked by people who were going to invest in our company. So, Brendan, you're the CEO now, and Kelly, you're you're the president. Uh, do, do people, you know, who think they have a lot of experience say, oh, you guys should turn the company over to more experienced managers because you're still in your 20s. I mean, is do you, do, you, do you face opposition? Do you say, no, I feel like I can do it? Or do you say, well, you know, maybe they're right? It, they say it every day. It, it fires me up. I love it. it, it it's what kind of gets me to work every day just to prove that I don't need your help. I can do it. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's we, we've brought in, you know, over the last six months, probably seven people all with 10 to 15 years of experience. And what we're trying to do is just make sure we're not the smartest people in the room. What are sales today? Because we're private, we don't disclose our sales. Mm -hmm. But within the marketplace, people are buying this year between seventy-five and a hundred million dollars of bare naked from retail stores. Now, Brendan, it's uh, an understatement to say you have a lot of confidence. But what are some of the mistakes that you've made in the company? Give me one example. Oh, I'll give you a big one. Um, big one recently is advocating the responsibility of operations. Um, we didn't necessarily have the right people in our operations group, and we went from operating out of one facility to eight facilities and I thought everything was kind of taken care of and I didn't look at it and operations isn't my most favorite part of my job <laughs> so I, I just kind of put it to the side um, and didn't really focus on it enough and it's gotten us into an issue where you know we need to be able to make a lot of product and we don't have the ability to make it. 
I think from a day-to-day standpoint, he does a, a really good job of keeping all the balls in the air. Sometimes his communication with the organization at large isn't perfect in terms of content and tone. And I think sometimes that um, has an irritating effect on some of the people. They want to know what's going on. They want to be told what's happening and when it's going to get done. And they want to be spoken to in a, in a certain way. And I think sometimes in the haste of getting work done and meeting deadlines, he's really quick and um, doesn't always think right before he speaks. If that's his biggest fault, he's doing all right. We don't mean to pick on you. <laughs> oh, no, I love it. It's like therapy. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you both very much for joining us. Thank you, thank Jessica. You. My guests have been Brendan Sinnott and Kelly Flatley, co-founders of the granola company Bare Naked. Coming up, we'll meet the painter Stephen Hannock. I'm Jessica Harris. This is From Scratch. From Scratch.